Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the word. dead. Ephesians tells us, you who were dead in trespasses. We mean dead. We weren't dead. We weren't in relationship with God, so we were spiritually dead in God's eyes. The prodigal son, what did the dad say? My son who once was, who was dead is yet alive. Well, what do you mean? He, wa- he wasn't dead. He was out there partying. He wasn't in the house, therefore he wasn't in right relationship with God. He was not alive to God because he was dead in sin. Amen? So when we get born again, the Holy Spirit... Uh, is the first thing he does is he gives us access to God. You, you and I are spiritually awakened uh, to the truths of God, and we're, true, and we're able to discern right from wrong, and just our eyes are open. So here, I love that. You have access to God, and then he says, with confidence, through faith in him. How many know we can come to God boldly, right? We don't have to be all timid and all, no, no, no. We come to God boldly, not because how good we are, but how good Jesus is. That's why he says, come with confidence. Actually, when we shy away and we don't come with boldness, it's actually demonstrating that we're not really believing the atonement was uh, provided for you and I. So it's actually an insult to come into God's presence without having that confidence and boldness. You know, the ancient king, king the world of kingdoms, is the king. you could not come in the presence of a king sad. It actually was a death sentence if you came before the king depressed or sad. You were like a true buzzkill. You were like totally just, the king would not tolerate that at all. It was dishonorable to not come before the king. Well, they get that from the teaching of the Bible in the Old Testament and that God is our king. Well, we don't have to fake it. We can be come with confidence to the throne of grace because of what Jesus did on the cross. So that's all what he said up to this point in chapter 3. Now let's jump into tonight. In, in whom we have boldness and access. Look at verse 13. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for, for you, which is your glory. Now we're going to come back to this. This is an amazing verse right there. For this reason, verse 14, I bow my knee to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and the whole family in earth is named. How many know God is always into families? That's why he created the human race, actually. He had a family in heaven, angels and archangels. Well, he wanted a family on earth, so that's why he created man in, our, in God's image, because he wanted an earthly fan, uh, family. This is the, God's a family. The whole ideal of a family uh, come from God. He's God our Father. Jesus was the first one to introduce God as Father. Up until that time, he's just God. Elohim, El Shaddai, had all these names, but no one called him Father except for Jesus. And he said, this is how I want to teach you to pray. Number one, you're going to say, Our Father. God is in the family. And here Paul is saying, this same nature of having a family, this is what God wanted. Uh, in earth is named, verse 16, that he would grant you, here's the prayer, according to the riches of his glory, again, a lot of adjectives in Paul's writings, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. You need to underline that in your Bible. That's the prayer. That's what we're going to look at tonight. He's praying that we would be strengthened, strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How many know he dwells in our hearts by faith? You're saved by faith. He dwells in our hearts by faith, not by feelings. No matter, no such thing as feeling saved. Sometimes I do feel it. Sometimes I feel it and sometimes I don't. How many know no matter how you feel, he dwells in your heart by faith. And you have to train yourself. I know we got to train ourselves to live our life and to walk by faith and not by feelings. That, that is going to take a lifetime of training, especially if, you've been, if you came to the Lord later in life. Because you've lived up until that point according to how you feel. Every decision you made was based on how you feel, how you thought was right in your own mind. You had... That was how we made every other decision and everything. Then when you become a Christian, you're born again. Your eyes are opened. You're, you're not walking with Christ. Now you've got to not be led by your feelings. Actually, your feelings almost becomes an enmity, an enemy to God. Our feelings are, are real. I always say this. Your feelings are real, but doesn't mean they're true. I don't care what someone is going through and they feel like they're not loved. They feel like they should, I mean, be another person. They feel feeling, I mean, we have a lot about feeling today. I'm not saying your feelings aren't real. That's not our, no, no, your feelings are real. That's a real feeling that you have right now that you feel like you ain't loved. That's real. I'm not going to say you, that's not real, but I'm here to tell you that it doesn't mean it's true. So then we learn to walk according to the Spirit. Uh, but let's just keep going because this is so good. Verse 18, oh, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded. Yeah, we're going to get to this too tonight. Rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend. Here again, he's like repeating the same prayer in kind of, in this part of it. He's wanting us to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height to know the love of Christ, which passes our knowledge. Man. You can, only, you can only understand that with the help of the Holy Spirit, truly. It's one thing to say, yeah, God loves you. Okay, okay, he loves you. But to real, Paul says, I don't want you just to hear that. I want that to become a reality in your life. And when you do, Paul says it changes your life. Even when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, we learn about the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. I'm all for it. We're a full gospel church. We believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. How many believe miracles still happen today? Uh, I met someone just the other day who's at a gym. I was at the gym, and they were like, and I had my earbuds, and I was, I was getting into this podcast, man. I was, and someone was like, and I was like, oh, <laughs> hi. And they were like, hey, you know, so I like, Pastor Eddie, how you doing? I was like, hi. And then told me an awesome miracle. We prayed for them here back about, I forgot, actually. It was like six months ago. This person had a brain tumor. Uh, Tanya, you were one of the ones that helped us with the name because they mentioned your name. We prayed for this guy that had a young kid, young teenager, had a brain tumor. And uh, we prayed, and God did a miracle and healed him of this brain tumor. It's gone. And I'm like, well, praise God. She said, no, wait till you hear. He just went and got his follow-up. The doctor said... That not only is the brain tumor gone, he, the surgeon came out and said, it's like you never even had it in the first place. Yeah, give God praise for that. So, I mean, that, that is, that's miracles. God does miracles. He does miracles. 
So Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians 12 about these great miracles, but then he moves into chapter 13 and he says, I will show you a more excellent way. What is more excellent than a miracle? What is more excellent than the power gifts of, pro of prophecy and word of knowledge? You know what he says? You know what it is? Love. Agape love. He said that trumps all gifts. In fact, you can even have gifts. You can even pray in tongues. You can have prophecy. You can have all these gifts. But if you don't learn to walk in love, he says you're just making noise. Come on, Pentecostals. So he says, desire spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, but pursue love. We get it backwards, don't we? We desire love, but we're after those gifts. He said, no, 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 turn it around. Turn it around. Desire to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, but pursue love. Because at the end of the day, what really matters to people is not how good your gifts are, but how much they love they felt from you. That's how you really impact people. Come on, somebody. Amen. I had two cups of coffee tonight. Hallelujah. Had that almond latte. Boy, that's good. Y'all, you try it. I'm telling you. May be able to comprehend to know the love of Christ. So verse 20, and then this is my favorite verse in the Bible, so I just got to read it because I'm here. Now to him, here's another adjective. Now to him, watch how carried away Paul gets. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all what you could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. I think he just went off and just, you know, he's talking about prayer, but he says, now to him who was able to do exceedingly, that's not just a little bit more, no, exceedingly, above, way above what you are even able to ask or think. Ephesians 3.20, come on, so you need to memorize that. According, and here's what we're talking about tonight, according to the power that works in Jesus. Nope, works in you. And this is our problem. We don't believe it. That's why for three chapters, he says, God, I pray that they get it. Because we have it. What's worse than not having a gift is to have the gift and not know you have it. Remember Helen Keller? We grew up as a kid learning about Helen Keller. And she was deaf and blind. And then she said, what is worse than, they, she said to her, someone asked her one time, what's worse than uh, not having your, your eyesight? I mean, what could be worse than that? She said, Real quick, without even thinking. She says, what's worse is those that have eyes but still don't see. And that's what Paul is saying. So that's why I always say it is not good for us to walk around saying and complaining that we're all defeated Christians. Paul is saying, stop that. You've got the spirit of almighty God dwelling in you. Well, it don't feel that way. That's our problem. We're walking in our flesh, in our feelings, and we're not learning to walk in the spirit because the spirit is, is in us. The spirit gives us strength. The flesh profits nothing, but the spirit benefits us all. It's the spirit that we got to learn to walk in. And we haven't learned to do that because all of our life we make decisions, like I said again earlier, on how we feel. That's Paul's prayer. Hallelujah. According to him. To him. Then he finishes verse 21 with just more. He's just, I'm telling you, he's just having a Pentecostal spell right there. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, ever. Amen. He's amen in his own preaching. Hallelujah. Okay. So the prayer for strength in the inner man. Okay. This is the word that popped out at me. To be strengthened with might. That's King James. That's original manuscript. He uses the word might. 
And I always taught it as power. Well, you got to look it up in the Greek dictionary. I don't have none of this on the screen, so you just have to write this down uh, or go back and listen to the podcast. But it, the word might, wait till you hear this word, okay? The word might in the Greek dictionary is the Greek word dunamis. Y'all know what that is. That's the same Greek word for power, right? That all Pentecostals know that. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, go to the upper room and wait for the promise of the Father and you will receive power. The word he used there was the Greek word dunamis, where we get our English word dynamite. So Jesus said, you're already saved. Those of you that's going to ETS level 2, you're, really going, you're going to be able to teach what I'm teaching you tonight. Amen. He, so they're already saved. Everybody say, they're already saved. And then in Acts 1, he goes, I want you to go and wait for the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power, dunamis, when he comes upon you. This is the same word in Ephesians 3 that, that Paul is praying. Lord, let them be strengthened in power. The word might there is dunamis. Now, listen, it means strength, power, and ability, if you're writing, writing that down. Those are the three main words. The first one is strength. The second word is power, which is most commonly used, and then ability. But I kept reading. I got the dictionary out, and I'm reading it. In the Greek dictionary, it means ability. Now, you don't have to write all this down, but you can. Ability to perform miracles. That's this word, dunamis. When he said that, go wait for power. That's why I think they waited, had no problem waiting for 10 days, because they knew this power, all they knew is power was coming. And this kind of power is the power to, do, to allow you to do miracles. Ability to perform miracles. Also, moral power and excellence of soul. That's what this means in the Greek. Moral power, moral, M-O-R-A-L, moral power and excellence of soul. This is not just having power, but being power. Not just laying hands on people and having the gifts, but able to have the fruits of the Spirit, right? Back to Acts 1.8, Jesus said, go to the upper room, you will, you will receive power from on high, and you will, be, you will be my witnesses to all the world. Back up, be witnesses. He didn't say you're going to go be a witness and tell people, but you're going to be a witness by the way you live your life. That's what this word here means, moral excellence. In other words, this same power, this same might, not only gives us the power to do supernatural things, but to live like Christ. We covered that last week. This is the word he's given us. The, he's never going to ask us to do something without giving us the power, the ability to do it. So he says, if he says, be like Christ, that means he's going to give us the power to be like Christ. When he says, don't be afraid, don't let fear overcome you. He's saying that because why? He didn't give us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. He's given us something to overcome the fear. That's why he says, don't fear. Because I've given you something. You just got to learn, what did he tell Timothy? Stir it up. You already have the ability to overcome your phobia. You just got, your problem is, Timothy, you've neglected the gift that is within you. He says, you've neglected that gift. It was in your grandmother. It's been handed down to your mother. You have that genuine faith. I've laid hands on you. And you received the, what we believe, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, you've neglected that thing. So, so moral power and excellence of soul. There's more. 
Feel like an infomercial. There's more. <laughs> Selling a shawame or shawame. What was that thing called? Yeah. Listen to this. Listen to this. Power and influence. This is all the same word. I could preach this word all night. The word might there. This is what Paul is praying that we would understand and grasp and believe that we have the ability to do miracles. We have the ability to be good people like Christ and to be like Christ. And we also have power and influence. You as a Christian, and the more I say it like this, the more of the Holy Spirit you get, the more of this you will have in your life. Theologically, you don't get more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets more of you. That's what we mean by being full of the Holy Spirit. See, some people get Jesus, they, he comes to the door of a house and you open the door and you let Jesus in. And many, uh, many Christians just unfortunately let him stay right there in the foyer and don't you go back in that bed, bed, bedroom back there, Jesus. I just, I just want this kind of salvation experience. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I've opened the door to you. You're in my house. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But Lord, I don't want you to go through the back bedrooms now. I don't want you to go to the closets. I don't, don't, don't look underneath that bed. Oh, Lord Jesus, don't look. And, and Paul is saying, listen, man, get to the place. And his whole prayers in Ephesians is that we would surrender more of our life to him. We would say, Jesus, not only come in, but I'll walk with you. And, and that's what Jesus is going to say, by the way. I don't want to go in those back bedrooms to judge you. I want to walk with you back there so I can heal them. I can clean them up for you. I can fix them. I can make them better and I can heal them. So don't be afraid to let me in those back rooms. Come on, somebody. Woo. You can clap. It's Wednesday night. That's all right. That heat is on high or something tonight. I want to hit that air, Pastor Steve. Huh? John, somebody that's here. Okay, so you, you have, so the more of the Holy Spirit we have in us, the more power and influence. You, you will be surprised how, how much people listen to you when it comes to these hot topics of Israel, that person at work, if they know you're a Christian and you've been living, not perfect, but at least you've been living like Christ, when they get into a crisis, they're going to seek you out. They will. And when you sit down and talk about things, hopefully we know what we're talking about, please. People are going to listen. I begin to realize this after we got into conversations at my work. When all I ever talked about on Monday is how I partied so hard over the weekend and the police were call I had the craziest stories. I remember they said, Eddie, tell us another crazy story. You've been quiet for the last couple of weeks. And I said, my crazy story is, is I went to church Sunday. That's how I, I came out of the closet. And I was scared to death to tell people at work that I was saved, that I was coming to church. And then the stories, and then they were like, you know, for a while they kind of avoided me. But then I began to notice, because I didn't realize, number one, that I worked with a Jehovah's Witness. I worked with a atheist and agnostic and all flavors of Christianity was in this warehouse in Highland Park. We worked there at this company. And I tell you what, when we begin to get in these conversations about God and stuff, it's amazing how all that came out. But I noticed that people begin to want to hear what I had to say. Eddie, what, what does the Bible say about that? I was like, whoa. And God was saying, I've given you an audience. Don't get all big-headed. It's not you. It's me in you power of influence. This is why 12 or 120, for lack of a better term, ragtag nobodies turned the Roman world upside down. 
It wasn't because of their great intellectual knowledge. They had some smart people in there, yeah, absolutely. But because of the power of, and only God can give you that. Everybody's on YouTube wanting to get influence. I want to be an influencer. Amen. Get, you know, like me, like me, like me. Everyone's wanting others to like him. Well, when you get the Holy Spirit and you really surrender to the Holy Spirit, he will give you automatic influence. So you got to learn to be faithful and learn in some of these things. Okay, and last definition for this word. Man, I preached this word all night. Didn't even get to the main thing. Anyway, it's good though, ain't it? It's good, ain't it? This is what Paul, in this little word, this is why Paul prayed three times for this. The last one is a, mil- it's also a military term. Dunamis is a military term. It means power consisting in armies, forces, and hosts. Boy, that sounds, that sounds familiar. Hosts. Yeah. A couple chapters later, he talks about our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spirit of wickedness, and spiritual hosts in high places. I'm going to break that down on a Sunday, and about the Sunday after Harvest Fest, I'm going to break that one down, how Ephesians 6 tells us that. We have all of that in our lives when we get saved. We don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. So what is this inner man? He wants us to be strengthened in our inner man. When we think about strength, we usually think about physical strength, right? When someone says, man, you know, they're strong. We think of a a big buff guy or someone that's strong, okay? Or we may think of emotionally strong, like a person that is, you know, not very emotional, uh, very independent, very take charge kind of person. Those are strong people in our eyes. That's a strong person, you know, and we, we would give you the description. But there's another strength that the Bible teaches, and Paul is praying it right here, and it's the kind of strength that God wants us to have. All that other stuff may be good or bad, take it or leave it. But what really matters to God in, when you become a Christian is this. It's your inner strength. That is on your, in your inner man, which comes from your spirit. In other words, you may be able to bench press 300 pounds. But the question is, do you have enough spiritual strength to resist temptation and to bear fruits as a Christian? You may be a leader and very independent and very, you know, take charge, bossy kind of person. But are you strong enough in your spirit to walk after the spirit and not, not let somebody pull you in the flesh and let them tell you what's up and you tell them back? got quiet all of a sudden on this Wednesday night. There's where I'm going. There's where he's talking. This is the kind of strength that we want to have. And it's not weakness, by the way. It wasn't weakness for Jesus to stand there, you know, in front of Pilate and Herod. And they're saying, and one of them, one of them said, don't you know? Pilate said, don't you know? You're standing there silent and I'm asking you these questions. He said, don't you know I got the power to, to take your life if I want it? And Jesus said, the only power you have is what's been given to you by my Father above. Ooh, say it again. Yeah, okay. He said, the only power. In other words, he was like, now that is true power to be in front of Pilate and say, no, you think you got power for what you can do to me? I'm really the one with, I'm really the one with power because I'm going to allow you to do it. Only when we're strong in our spirit, are we, are we able to do this? I was going to get into the body, soul, and spirit. You've heard me teach it before, and it really fits here. If you don't have an understanding of, of that, you may struggle, but you'll get it. We are a triune God, a triune person made in the image of God, right? Body, soul, and spirit. 
you actually are a spirit. That's who you are. That's, e- that's who's going to live forever is your spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Right? We know that. Your body is this. It's dying every day. It's flesh. It's dust. It's going to go back to dirt. We can pull it up. We can make up it all we want to do, but it's dying. Amen. I know it's depressing to think that way. Then we have our soul. That's our mind, will, and emotions. That's the middle guy. And then we have our spirit. Our spirit is who communes with God. And until we get saved, who's running the show? Your soul. Your soul runs the show. Everything, like I said earlier, is on how you feel. You get your feelings hurt. You get upset. You get angry. I mean, you do everything based on the middle guy, okay? Now, you've been doing that for for me for 25 years. And then I get saved. The guy in the middle, way down, wakes up. And now he says, "Uh, excuse me, I'm running the show. And now your soul is like, what? This is what Paul meant when he said, your younger brother will serve your older brother. Or I mean, your older brother will serve your younger brother when he's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Boy, this is deep. This is good if I keep going. He, He says Abraham is faith. And he's talking about the new covenant and the old covenant. And the new covenant being the covenant of the spirit. That's what he's saying. What he means is the older will serve the younger is because when you and I get saved, our soul is considered older because it's been living and making all the decisions. Now the younger spirit, who's brand new, comes on the scene. But guess what? He's got the authority. He's got the connection to God. He's got the feeling of God. He can hear God. You also have spiritual senses. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's not talking about mm, mashed potatoes and gravy. Yeah, that's, the, that's your flesh. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. When you're in worship or when you're, you're hearing a word, and right now the word's going out right now, and it's going into your spirit. When you hear good preaching, good teaching, a good devotion, a good prayer time, don't you feel like, mm, what is that? You're tasting and seeing. Your spirit man is eating the word of God. You have spiritual eyes. Oh, I ain't got time to break it all down. But you see that. You see that. Now, He is teaching us and praying that we would learn to let the Spirit call the shots. And the only way he's going to call the shots, if he becomes stronger, everybody say stronger, than the soul. That's why he says, God, let them be strengthened, not in their feelings. Uh A lot of us are, I don't know what that was, the little feelings there. That was, in case you didn't know. If you're listening on the podcast, just use your imagination. Okay, so we're all in our feelings. Man, and that's get, that gets us in trouble. We got a war fighting right now in the Middle East because of feelings. Think about that. Getting impatient, feeling, all that. All right, so, but you got to learn to walk in the spirit now. And the only way you're going to do that is you got to be strong in your spirit. What's the difference and why do we need to be strong in our spirit? I'll write this down. Our spirit is where our, our fight comes from. Our fight comes from our spirit. Uh, Joshua 5, 6, I think. Um, Ephesians 6, a couple chapters after this, he begins to talk about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. He's talking about spirit. Your, fight, your spirit is where your fight comes from. But look at, look at Paul's writings in Romans. Um, 
This is a more practical way. In Romans uh, 5, if you've got Romans 5, throw that one up there, Romans 5, 6. For when we were, listen, he's just talking about when we got saved. Watch how he words this. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, wait a minute, what? He describes this as what? Having no strength. What he's talking about? We had strength. You could be, you could be a bodybuilder. You could. Like, I was 25 years old. I was in the prime of my life. I even had long hair. Come on, somebody. <laughs> 25, you're you're healthy. But listen, this scripture says I didn't have any strength. What's he talking about? He's talking about that spiritual strength to fight against the soul. I also had my life all messed up, all kinds of bondage, defeated, all all kind of problems going on because the soul was running the show. And I had no strength. That's why you can't be good without the good spirit in you, the Holy God spirit. You can't be holy without the Holy Spirit, who also is the helper. You could turn over the leaf and all day, every six months, every six weeks. The gyms fill up, right, January. By the March, they're empty. I mean, this is how it is. You don't have enough willpower to stay away from those tweakies. I don't care how much you try. Now, it helps to put standards in there. We can do all of that. And our society today is so crazy over this thing of just changing, making changes in their life. They think changes is good. And they just go from one habit to another. It's like, I tell them, it's like switching seats on the Titanic. You, you know, you're not on meth, you're not on hardcore drugs, but you're still ate up with bitterness and unforgiveness. You, you, you still are a workaholic, you're chasing the money, you're chasing the fame, you're chasing this. No, no, you're not on the street selling yourself or whatever. You're not that bad, but you are without strength when it comes to following after God. You can't keep these Ten Commandments longer than ten minutes. How many have, I've tried it. Before I came to Jesus, I had a... Uh, a trial period where I said, okay, God, in my mind, I said, I'm going to see if I can do this because I was so afraid of trying something and failing. <clears throat> Excuse me, right? I didn't, no one likes to fail. Jesus even talked about, you know, counting the cost. So I, I tried quitting some, some habits and some things and, and you can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. You can do it for a little bit, but you're miserable. And then look at the other scripture here in Romans in 8, Romans 8, 13. Watch what he says here. And in Romans 5, by the way, 6, 7, and 8 is all of everything I'm teaching you. Oh, I love that. To me, the greatest chapters ever written by the great apostle Paul is Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. He, Hebrews is meat too. That's ribeye steak. Hallelujah. Amen. But 5, 6, 7, and 8, don't park your doctrine in 7. Okay, you got to read all of it. Seven, Paul talks about the tension and the struggle that we all have as Christians, fighting against the soul, the spirit and the soul. He's very transparent. He says, I want to do good, but there's another want to inside of me. And the want to is wanting to do bad. So I find in myself this battle that's raging. How many can say amen to that? You want to do right, right? And you always talk about that. But your spirit is, is saying no. So then he ends in Romans 8, by the way. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. Thank God for that extra chapter, right, AJ? He didn't leave us in, in Romans 7 with the battle. In other words, there's victory that can be had. But it comes through the spirit. 
and in Romans 8 here, he says, if you live according to the flesh, that's your soul, it's a Greek word, sarks, flesh, um, he says, you will die. But if by the Spirit, that's so good to underline that, but by the Spirit, which you didn't have before, put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. You can't, what I always say, willpower is not strong enough to break sin's power. This is the verse for it. I get that from. That's why he's praying, God, give him strength. Because it's where your fight comes from. It's how you're going to fight temptation. It's how you're going to fight the flesh. Not in your physical flesh. Not even in your feelings. In fact, I would tell you that your feelings and your, your body is going to be turning against you. Okay? If I had three people up here and I had one in the middle, he'd be the spirit guy, his soul and the spirit and the, and the flesh. When the spirit guy comes alive, these two turn against each other. And there's a war constantly going on. And the spirit's trying to follow after God. The only way, Paul says, for the guy in the middle to really win is to yield to, the, to God, to the Holy Spirit, and get strong. And feed that Holy, feed the spirit, your spirit man, feed your spirit man. I'm going to get to that here in a minute, Lord willing. And then he is able, he's able to walk in victory. That's why he says you are more than an overcomer. Because in your soul, you can kind of overcome some things. If you're a strong-willed person like I am, I can do a lot in my own flesh. And a lot of people can do a lot of things in the flesh. And sometimes that's a bad thing because you think you neglect the spirit in those cases. And then you burn out. And then you're right back where you were in the beginning. And the Holy Spirit's been going, I've been here a long time. You're like, why? I've been here, the Holy Spirit's like, I've been here the whole time. But I'm starving to death because you're not feeding me. You're ignoring me. You're not letting me lead. You're all about what I feel. I feel led, brother. Those are the worst words I've learned as a pastor to every year. I feel led. Or I don't feel led. Put a bullet in your pocket and go to work in Jesus' name. That's how, And be led by the Holy Spirit if you need some lead. We need some help, do this. Pick, the Bible it tells us what to do. We don't need to feel led to live for Christ. We don't need to feel like reading our Bible. I'm just going to preach it. We don't got to feel like sharing our faith. Because you're never going to feel that way. You don't have to feel, I'm only going to worship unless Pastor Steve sings that one good song I heard on the way home. I went to this class one time and they talked about how a lot of the old school songs and how music can actually be a part of memory and dopamine and all. There's a psychology and, 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 and like a nostalgic thing. And that's why sometimes we get so attached to it. And there's nothing wrong with it. But the problem is when we get so attached to the past that we can't embrace anything in the future is where we get stuck and we turn religious. That's why David said, sing unto him a new song. Actually means make one up. Hallelujah. All over the place, but it all goes with the spirit, won't it? So that's why he says that we need to get strong in our spirit because number one, it helps us to fight. That's where your fight comes from. I could spend all night on that, but I want, I want to keep going. In the context of this Ephesians 3, number two, why we need to be strong in our spirit is he helps us overcome discouragement. Right? This is why, verse 13, look at the NIV. Did you got the NIV up there? I do love the NIV in this one. He says, I ask, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering. 
I want you to stop right there. How many know that discouragement's a real thing? I gotta switch gears into this, and this is good, so I gotta take my time. This is big. This is where many people live here. And sooner or later, you're gonna have a run in with this thing, with discouragement. Remember, I did a series last summer on breaking the cycle on Elijah, how he ran into the cave of depression. A fire calling man from heaven ran into a cave of depression. Discouragement, it's gonna happen, it's gonna come. Usually after you have emptied yourself of ministry, those of you that are serving and stuff, and you really, you have a high, high, you're leading worship or you're involved with people, you have a great life group or a great group somewhere, beware when, you, when that happens because that's when the depression, the discouragement can set in is after a high uh, victory. Anyway, he says, I don't want you to be discouraged because of my suffering. There's nothing like love, seeing someone you love suffer. And when that happens, discouragement will come. We, as a family, dealt with this just two years ago. My uncle died of ALS. My opinion, the worst disease known to man is ALS. He was like a second dad to me. Rock star, James Patterson, Uncle James, was just the man. He was the patriarch of the Patterson family, awesome man of God, and he died. Horrible death. That was one of the hardest things we've ever, ever, ever had. I preached a sermon on Sunday on that one of those Sundays when he passed on what happens when you pray for a Peter and you get a James. That was the title of that message. It's on our YouTube channel. And I talked about how Peter and James was arrested in jail, and James was beheaded, but an angel appeared to Peter and let him out of jail. And my point was, imagine being the parents of James when that happened. And I love the Bible because the Bible is so transparent. It don't, it's not all, yeah, thrills, and you're going you're gonna to be all of this. No, no, no. Discouragement's going to come, bro. Death's going to happen. Things are going to happen when you, it makes no sense to you at all. And the only way for you and I to overcome that, because your soul is going to be king soul when, when you get hit with discouragement, on that kind of level. He says, I, I pray. This is why he's praying the whole prayer. Not to be discouraged because of my suffering. Verse 14, for this reason, for this reason, because I know you think I'm a super apostle because I seen the Lord and you saw me do miracles. You saw me heal Elias while we were preaching. I told him to stand to his feet. He stood up instantly. And now I prayed for Trophimus and he is sick and God hasn't healed him. Second Timothy 4 tells us. And I had to leave him there. And I'm in chains. I'm in jail. I'm in prison. And I'm supposed to be God's super anointed. Don't get discouraged because you don't understand what you see. The only way for you to overcome this is by letting the soul take a quiet and take a seat and let that spirit man begin to grow and strong and walk out of it. Oh, that's good. That's what he's saying. This is how, oh, write this down. You may know this. I've preached it before, but discourage. You know what the word discourage means? We talked about that. Discourage, listen, means to take courage out. Encourage, encourage, means to put courage in. Isn't that amazing? It's so simple, but isn't that so powerful? Discourage is when you have no strength, when you have no courage. 
To be encouraged means you have strength in you to be encouraged. This is why David, when he was discouraged, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Why? He was a strong spirit. David had a strong spirit. He's Old Testament, but Jesus tells us he had the spirit of God in him. That's how he was able to write Psalms. Jesus said, David wrote by the spirit. And we know that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, but came upon David until he died. So he had the spirit. David was one of the few in the Old Testament that had a spirit, uh, the spirit of God with him. And here, and when he was discouraged at Ziglag, remember that? He encouraged himself. How did he do that? He worked up his emotions? Nope. He didn't have no podcast. He didn't have no iTunes. He didn't have no Elevation Music or Maverick City or whoever else you listen to. He didn't have none of that. He had his own friends turn him and said, we're going to kill you because we followed you and we lost everything, David. You ain't no leader. That's what your Bible says. But David got alone with God. And what did he do? He encouraged himself. His inner man was strong. And he said, okay, calm down, soul. He even wrote Psalm where he says, why are you uh, so disquieted within me so he begins to talk to himself and say soul don't be so downcast who's talking it ain't his flesh it's his spirit helps us overcome and finally we need to be strong in our spirit helps us fight it helps us overcome discouragement and just staying true to this text it helps us be rooted and grounded. It helps us have that staying put, staying faithful, that grit that is so needed in our society. But now it's like a buzzword because of Detroit Lions. That's why grit is now big. I'm telling you, it was Coach Campbell that brought that in, right? But grit, I'm telling you, that is the key ingredient to ministry into Christian living. You don't have grit, you ain't going to last. Jesus told the parable of the four, four sowers, the, the seed of the sower. Remember that? And he said the one that had no depth in them, had no depth in them. They received the seed, they received the word, but the sun came up and scorched them and they died. He said these are the people that have no depth, have no grit in them. They're all soul. They shoot up like a, a rocket. Oh, I'm going to serve God till I die. Yeah, I'm called to be a missionary. How long have you been saved? Five minutes. We've all seen that. I've seen that. And usually we call them shooting stars. They go Why? Because of this right here. They have no depth in them. That's why Paul is praying, oh God, please, let them be strengthened in their inner man so they will have a fight, so they can overcome discouragement. And finally, they'll be rooted and grounded. It doesn't matter how much you've done for the Lord, how long you've been doing it. Let's see how long you can be a doorkeeper at the house of God like David. When you and I stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, well done, thy good and fruitful. Now, I'm going to shake your theology here for a minute. We focus on bearing fruit. It's got to be fruit. I got to have my own ministry. I got to have five ministries. I got to be in six ministries. Fruit, fruit, fruit. Everybody's fruit. I got to be fruit. There's fruits and nuts in churches, by the way. Anyway, so... Fruit is really something that we're not supposed to work. That's works. Fruit is naturally produced. But you know what we're going to be asked when we stand before God? Not well done, good and fruitful. Well done, good and what? You guys know. Faithful. That means the missionary that's been, that's been in Tibet, 
that's won one person to the Lord in 30 years is going to receive just as much treasure as Billy Graham. River Kids, Girls Ministry, a drummer. I would have been a drummer to the day I died if God wouldn't have called me to do this. I was so happy. Playing drums and going home, brother. You can have everything else. <laughs> don't ask me for <laughs> nothing, brother. I don't got to be ready to have the answer all the time and have that pressure of leading. No, no, no. No, no, no. But God said, no, I, I want to even. So you walk through those doors. But you, we got to learn to be content where we are. <sighs> you getting anything out of this tonight? Be rooted and grounded. I love uh, Kavar's church. His, his church is in, in New York. And they, they sing a song. It's rooted and they have a Jamaican, uh, they're from Jamaica, many in the church. So they, got, they sing this song with a Jamaican twist. Pastor Steve will end tonight. Can you sing this song with a Jamaican twist tonight? They know it's my favorite song. It's rooted and grounded and they sing this. They made it into a song. And I love that song. We ought we to ought learn that. I got a song request, Pastor Steve. Seriously, that should be the anthem, though, to every believer, is to be rooted and grounded. What did he say later in Ephesians? Don't be tossed to and fro by every YouTube channel. Don't be tossed to and fro by every, you got to listen to this, got to listen to that. Yeah, listen to it, man, but if it's going to take you off your target, and if it's not feeding your spirit, by the way, write down John 4, 34, I was going to tell you how to feed your spirit. I'm going to give it to you in 30 seconds. Jesus said in John 4, 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, I got food y'all don't even know about. And Peter said, did somebody bring him five guys? And then he was like, no, who gave this man food? What's he talking about? And then Jesus said, I got food that none of you guys even know about. And the food that I have is to do the will of God. So Jesus knew that just like food gives us physical strength, Spiritual food gives us spiritual strength. Reading your Bible, learning your Bible, not reading your Bible. There's a difference. I read my Bible today, amen. What did you learn? I don't know. You really just did a little religious thing there. Very good, but it didn't. Learn your Bible. Pray. Did you connect? No, I just kind of shot a prayer up. Okay, at least you did that, but you're not going to really feed your spirit, man, until you take T-I-M-E. And connect. And then the big one was to do the will of him. Jesus said to do the will of him and to finish. Be faithful with where God put me and to do God's will. Every time we do God's will instead of the soul, you get a little bit more strength. You know how you build strength in the body? You've got to have tension, right? You can't just lift these glasses and be looking like, where's LaDon? He ain't here tonight. How come I ain't building muscle mass, Pastor Eddie? You have no tension. The only way we're going to lose weight, right, is if we neglect the Twinkies. There's got to be tension. And the only way our spirit man grows, listen, I'm not being funny, but this is true. Jesus said there's got to be some tension. Because there's a part of me that don't want to be here talking to this Samaritan woman at the well. But nevertheless, in the Garden of Eden, I don't, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I don't want to do it, but I'm still going to do it. That's how you are stretched. That's how you grow in your spirit is when you do what the Spirit of God wants you to do and not what your flesh wants you to do. Your flesh starts to die. Your spirit man starts to get stronger. And when he is strong, you're able to fight. You're able to stay faithful where God's put you. You're able to overcome discouragement. And you're able to finish all because you've got strong in your
Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, and God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.